Welcome to iDeveloper Live, and this one really is episode 35, I think. <laughs> we'll check that as we go through. And it's the same crew here this week as it was last week. It's me here in um, uh, the iDeveloper Live studio, which you've discovered some interesting information on this week, which you must ask me about, John, actually. Um, and Dave is still here. He's not been arrested by the uh, Royal Police yet, um, despite John's video posting. And Mr. John Fox is with us. Hi, John. I'm. I, how are you? You know, I have to say that I haven't moved. I haven't changed clothes. I, and and this is. It's been really tough. Where you said we're going to start this podcast and we're not done. And John, you can't do anything or go anywhere. And I missed all Thanksgiving because I'm that devoted. Hello, world. God, you started with a moan. That's just. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't know. And, and Joshua. No, Joshua. Zen jo- cone. Jo- <laughs> Josh, Joshua is back with us. We said he was going to be back in a few weeks, and it was actually just a few days because uh, he's um, done a slot swap, as um, we've been discussing before the show, uh, as, around the same time as um, uh, Simon Wolf's 70s porn collection. So it's um, Joshua, welcome back. Thank you. You know, it, it, it's I, I was questioning the term slot swap. You made fun of me for the term awesome sauce uh, last week, but um, I, I think you've trumped that. <laughs> these are both aren't these are definitely movies that Simon directed and started. <laughs> <laughs> they were. And with John's revelation on Skype um, just before we came on air of air of I'm her. I'm just wondering where today is today is going. But there we are. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving to you both, because I, I, you both uh, celebrate that festival, I believe, whereas we just work as normal over here in, in Europe. <laughs> I thought that you guys had a parallel Thanksgiving, like, thanks for, for giving us more room here on the island. And yeah, thanks going for leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, celebra- for- we, we celebrate the, uh, the day you, you got independence. Mm. Well, oh. Thank you for taking your terrible English along with you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's right. We can we can we can gang up because even Dave, even though Dave's the audio engineer here, we he can't really you know he can't fight back. That's the challenge. I think C O L O R. I think uh, John, your last words on this episode have just been heard. <laughs> no, no more of John. So, did did you both have a good Thanksgiving? I had a lovely Thanksgiving. How about you, Josh? I did too. Um, I, except for the the long drive down toward family and back again, um, the rest of it was was very nice. So you, what you're saying is you hate your family, or no? <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I, I tolerate them, and they tolerate me. But it's mostly the drive. <laughs> did you get into arguments about about the right way to set up workspaces? Is that what kind of dominated the the Thanksgiving conversation? Yes, we were so consumed by the discussion of uh, my appearance on iDeveloper Life last week. They wanted to know every detail because everyone in my family is a developer and they all care very deeply about everything that I say regarding software development. Uh, sorry, my sarcasm meter is, is pegged right now. <laughs> going, that, that explains the, the huge increase in listenership that we had last week. <laughs> yeah, about four or five of them. Yeah, well, that's, that's doubling. <laughs> right okay well we we celebrated thanksgiving here at iDeveloper tv by having an iDeveloper tv thanksgiving sale so uh there we are and actually it's still on because thanksgiving is like it seems like um christmas does over here these days it, it doesn't go it, it sort of goes on for days and days and days and has to finish at the end of cyber cyber where did that name come from cyber monday uh, i think amazon started that phrase or maybe not yeah 
Well, there Don't get go. me started on that whole Cyber Monday thing. <laughs> well, at the end of Cyber Monday, I develop a TV Thanksgiving sale ends. So if you're listening online now, uh, live, then um, you've still got time. If you're listening on the feeds, then tough luck. There's all we can say. There we are. Well, we're sat in the office, a bit chilly in the office today. We, we discovered something about our office um, uh, in the last uh, week since we got that it's about 100 years old, older than I thought it was. But that would explain how the roof comes down every every three days. Yeah, so that plaster that fell down, I mean, I thought the building was, uh, you know, built around 1780, 1790, but it turns out it was built in 1690, um, and that plaster was probably close to, um, you know, that old, so it's <laughs> not surprising well, it fell down, really. Thatch. And had it been one at what time, what, it was like the town cistern or something, or what? <laughs> I have no idea what it was built for, actually. It would have been, um, I don't know what it was built for. Um, it, it was built probably for someone to live in. But there we are. There we are now. See, there we are. Right, okay, enough of this waffle. We um, we need to really get going um, and make the most of our 45 minutes. We've used six of them already. Um, so Joshua Nozai is back with us. Uh, he wrote his book, Mastering Xcode 4. Last week, we dealt with all the stuff we liked about Xcode, which was actually the shorter part of his notes. Um, and this week, we're dealing with the bad bits or the knots or the uglies or whatever you want to call them. So, um, you know... Let, Josh, would you want to work by um, uh, the thing that annoys you most or the thing that annoys you least in upwards? Which way do you want to go? Or do you just want to be random? We can do random access knots. <laughs> well, I'm very pedantic, so I'll probably go in order of the list. <laughs> it okay. won't get lost. We'll go by the list <laughs> knots then. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I've got the list in front of me. John, you still got your list? So you can, um, I do. You chip in. Oh, Excellent. I'm- right. The one at the top. Okay, let's ready here. Ready game for the boos and the groans all over the place. IB plugins. Oh, boo. That is a world boo. of suck. <laughs> Very much so. So everyone uh, in the beta was, uh, in the forums, talking about the beta, I should say, was talking about um, the their need to get third-party interface builder plugins up and working. And they, they just could not get them to work, could not even open nibs that had uh, components provided by third-party plugins. Uh, they, they couldn't get them open. So uh, Apple was characteristically silent on it in the forums. No one was answering. And then the, the revelation struck, I think it was in the release notes or something, that uh, yeah, there, there, there is no such thing as interface builder plugins anymore as a 4.0. Uh, you could build uh, projects that included nibs with plug-in components in them, but you could not open and edit them. You needed to keep Xcode 3 and Interface uh, Interface Builder 3 installed so that you could edit those nibs. And it did get better in 4.1. Okay, now you can edit the nibs, but you can't edit uh, the actual plug-in provided controls. And there's no palette access beyond generic objects and um, the any kind of custom views. Um, I, I know a lot of people like the uh, Brendan Watkins BW Toolkit, and they just show up as as the plain old NSView custom view. Now um, you you get nothing extra. So. Basically, 4.2, there's no changes even now, so I, I think they're hoping you'll get over it and just forget about um, third-party plugins for Interface Builder, but I don't see that as realistic. Well, so, I have a big question. Is there any reason that you can think of reasonable reason why Apple would want to do this? I mean, uh, Maybe release schedule. I don't know. Um, it, it seems like... 
it, it's very, it, it's really popular. A lot of people use it and I don't understand. Um, a lot of people were, were absolutely bewildered as to why they would do something like that. But, but um, we were fully expecting it to be available in 4.0 and then, okay, well, 4.1. And it did get slightly better. But I think basically there, there's a lot of things that still seem slightly undercooked in Xcode 4. And I think this is one of the major areas. Maybe they're coming out with yet another plugin format like they did, I think, with 3. Um, it, it, it's hard to say, but right now it looks like they, they really, it, it's not a priority for them. Hmm. Do, do you think we're ever going to see it? And do you think, I mean, because effectively, you know, Xcode 4 was a ground up uh, rebuild. Uh, it's been about making it work. It's been about, you know, getting some of the other stuff with all the sort of um, uh, scaling stuff and sizing stuff all working. And do you think it's just a case of resource and they've not got there? Or do you think there's a fundamental uh, decision they've made here that we don't want developers messing around with our um, IDE and putting their own stuff in? It has to be out-of-box experience, and therefore we're not going to let you do this. I think this is what is similar to asking what your pets dream about. I don't think there's any way we can know unless we work in, <laughs> at Apple. But I, I think it, it certainly seemed like maybe... It, it, Maybe it just wasn't a priority, like I said, but even if it was something that they said, well, we don't, we don't really want to support that anymore, um, I think we will see it because there was such a backlash and they implemented this, this stopgap measure in 4.1 that, well, okay, now you can edit it. You just don't get anything useful out of it, but you can at least open the nib. Um, I think they're doing the absolute minimum they can get away with right now. And, and you know, since they didn't do anything with it in 4.2, I think the message is kind of clear that they're only going to do what we yell at them enough to do. Do you think maybe it's because they want people just to use themes and this is their way of forcing them to do it? I mean, I don't know whether you could do everything you wanted to do or would need to do with, with, with all the pouts that, that are out there, but some of them you could, in theory, do with themes. No? It's, it's possible, but the, the biggest thing is they, we have these custom controls that are really good. And... Uh, like j just having a three pane split view, I was griping about that on oh. Twitter. That why is that so hard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why is that so hard to do? You know, and a split view is is good at many sub views, but not so good at at uh, just that plain three pane view. And so, I mean, we have this the, these views that are very useful, but um, I I don't know if it's just Apple does not want to have that kind of custom control. I I doubt it. I think they just didn't really get around to it, and um, it's not a priority for them. Hmm. Someone, someone is saying on the. Uh, oh, I've just lost it. Someone is saying in the chat room. Um, in Apple's defense, it's really hard to create a decent IB plugin, and maybe because you can't create decent ones, they don't want them. What do you think to that? That, I don't know. that may very well be. <laughs> I don't know. I think RB Split View was an awesome plugin, awesome code. Yeah. It was configurable. You could set all the attributes for it. And only now of having gone through the pain with somebody else of, of removing it, you know, I don't think I've, I've hardly come out the better. And the best thing I can say from the process is now that I can animate the, the, the Split View opening and closing using core animation. The performance is nice. And I think the user experience is nice. But, you know. Is that how I wanted to, to spend precious development resources? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. I, I don't know that that factors into it much um, because it, we, we can create crappy apps too, but right. you know, <laughs> and some of them even make it onto the app store. 
Okay, right. Well, let's not let's not flog a dead horse. But before we move on, Simon Wolf is in the chat room, so let's just say hi. Rawr. There we are. Let's Once again, on. I abstain. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Simon. <laughs> There we are. There's just some cultural things going on here. Archiving. It's it's the new build for release you have in your notes. Right. Um, it it looks like Xcode four is specifically designed to railroad you toward the App Store. And if if you aren't targeting App Store deployment, um, you you have some extra work to do. And you know that it. it in in theory, it's a great thing. You 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 archive instead of you know build and run, and that creates a release build and and creates a, a you know a package that you could submit. And it's great in in theory, but it, it in four it didn't give you enough hooks, and that's one of the things that that I have um, the pre post action scripting that we'll get to in a little bit. But it didn't have enough hooks to do any extra stuff for your own deployment. You know, some of us still would like to stick with our tried and true. Uh, web stores and you know some of us with existing products and a long history can't quite make it to the app store yet so it, it would be nice to be able to have that same flexibility as before and in 4.0 you didn't but it's getting better but archiving essentially you say you know archive it builds for release puts it in a zip file um, but this time we can now at least hook into it and do extra stuff. So if you want to do your own custom deployment, um, just let it do its own thing, build the archive however it wants, and then hook in with your own scripts to, in addition, do whatever you need to do. But archiving did not please me at first. I had some scathing things to say about it in the first revision of the book. No, but this, in the case of uh, of pre and post uh, build scripts, that's something that you can share pretty easily. No. Yeah, I, th- I think even just copy and paste with uh, it's easy to get to pre and post right. uh, action scripts. Uh, so yeah, and I, I mean, well, maybe I won't be as pedantic, and we can just jump into that right now. The the pre and post action scripts, whenever you go into your scheme and uh, edit the scheme, you'll see all the different actions like build and run and archive and and test. Uh, For each one of those actions, if you twist down the disclosure triangle, you see a pre-action script and a post-action script. Um, That upset me because in 4.0, it could could run a shell script, but they didn't give you any of the build build environment variables. So you could not figure out what the product name was, what the paths were. So it seemed utterly useless. Um, it, it, it was, it wasn't until I think 4.1 that they finally included build environment variables so that you could actually make use of these pre and post action scripts. And until then archiving really wasn't helpful at all. I, I ended up having to create a separate scheme, um, just to include um, the ability to build it for whatever archiving purposes that I had for my own custom things. So that that was another one of my gripes is that before four when I was seeing my notes here I think it was four point two that they finally uh, allowed you to have build environment variables. Yeah, I mean that that um, basically makes scripting make some sense. But to just run a script without any of those environment variables, I mean you're pretty limited, aren't you, on what you're going to want to do? Right, and the, the the two major things that you can put in a pre and post action script is, is you can have it send an email or run a shell script, and 
or I think even uh, Apple Script. I'm, uh, I don't have that in front of me right now, but uh, to, to you know send me an email and say you know this action finished is really clunky and kind of weird, um, and then to to have scripting that. You, you have to bend over backwards to try to figure out what what you did just build or hard code paths in you know it, it just it, it was very clunky until 4.2 okay so talking of clunky and reading your notes forward let's move on to scm integration <laughs> do you notice well, that link john that's it, what they call a link in the by the pros john Ah, <laughs> duly noted. Thank you. I, I'm happy to be led by the nose back to uh, <laughs> back to the next point. Um, the the source code management integration in Xcode three um, it, it, it was it was okay, but I ended up never using it because it burned me very badly at one point. It, um, it it kept saying that it was committing, giving no error messages, and even showing a commit history. And then I actually look with the the subversion command line and none of them made it. Um, and this was a couple years ago. And I just said, okay, never again. <laughs> but when 4.0 came out, I, I went ahead and gave it another try. And it, it's very, uh, the, the integration is very basic. You get your, your basic, you know, ability to commit and create a commit message and, and, you know, revert and review the history and do basic diffs between different versions. But it's really basic specifically because it's, it's designed to, to be the least common denominator between subversion and Git support. And subversion and Git, if, if you know anything about SCM, you know that these, these are two very different um, you know, workflows and, and they have different ways of going about things. So Xcode 4 tries to, you know, give you the best of both worlds, but it, it, again, it has to be the least common denominator. Um, the, the big trouble that it has is with uh, remote hosts, you know, particularly when SSH is involved, it has to, uh, if you've never, signed into that host before it wants you to confirm um it before gave no warning and i think i still run into this every now and then um it it gives you no warning in the gui or if you accidentally dismiss the warning it never warns you again and here it's sitting in the background waiting for you to confirm and say this is not a known host do you want to add this host to the list of known hosts so you end up having to um to authenticate on command line very quickly so that or just manually add it to your SSH known hosts list. But this bit me hard. Uh, I, I didn't know what was going on while I was writing the book. I, I wasn't sure what was happening. If it was just a bug, I, I would wait until the next beta version and finally figured out what was going on. And, oh, well, I, I didn't need to wait forever to finish that chapter. Um, so it, it, it's still a little bit clunky, particularly where SSH is involved. Um, that, that's that's pretty much it. Is that it's it's limited, but I understand why. Um, you know, it, it it has to to cater to both the subversion and the Git world, but it also still has some problems with SSH. I have to say, I mean, I'm I'm a Git user. I I love Git. Um, I mean, I'm a very basic Git user. I mean, it's uh, I don't use you know probably ninety percent of the features in it, but for basic um, source control management and branching and merging and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's great, um, but I never bother um, uh, trying to do any of my commits or any of that within Xcode. I always use the command line still. Um, just feels better. The only thing I, I do like in the Xcode is the um, 
uh, is you can just select a version and do the diff in in the editor and, and see the differences. That's really quite useful, especially when you're working on a project where there are lots of commits going on by lots of people um, and you're pulling stuff down. So just be honest enough to drop out. Uh, but other than that, you know, I don't allow the tool to do it because you know the command line is easy enough and I've learned Git, so why change? Is that just right. me old and crusty? <laughs> well, I, I, I use the command line plenty, but I end up using, uh, and this will make the, these people happy, I, I use Tower. Um, mostly I am a Git person these days, I've converted, but uh, I, I use the Tower Git client in, instead of Xcode for, for most things. John, what do you use? I just use the command line as well. I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's the same thing that, that I have a fairly simple use of it. And the most, the thing I most like about Git is GitHub. So, yeah, but let's find if you're a secret GUI user or not, John, because you have color turned on. No. Oh, see, so you're a real hardcore because I, I do turn color on so that all the different, um, yeah, whether it's modified, added, deleted is in a different color from the command line. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's almost like a GUI, isn't it? It's for the weak among us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that, maybe there's a, a, a slightly sort of interesting survey there in the chat room of anybody who uses command line versus um, using um, uh, uh, um, GUIs for, for, for Git or any, any SCM, actually. And um, who has color turned on? Who's a, who's a bit of a wuss like me? <laughs> right, okay. Um, what are we moving on to next? Um, we, we we're flying through these. The point is... These are quite basic complaints, um, and, and meaning that we don't really have to say too much, but they are complaints. Code nonsense. Oh, oh this 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 was driving me, especially in the in the betas. But you couldn't really complain then. But even then, when four point zero came out, and the code sense. Oh my word, drive me mad. Uh, well, that, that's the biggest thing. Is is you know. It, it, it does drive you mad because when it works, it works wonderfully. Whenever you end up having a large project that somehow it starts to get confused and, and, and maybe it, maybe it's my own fault with, um, I, I get careless with trying to, you know, include and include and include and include instead of, you know, really thinking and, and being careful about, you know, what I'm including where, um, that, that might be, you know, leading it in circles for a while and slowing it down. But when, when code sense doesn't work, it, it really is code nonsense. It, it, it doesn't autocomplete, uh, or it, it takes, you know, a, a good 20 seconds just sitting there doing apparently nothing, um, for something that's uh, a symbol that's in the very same file, um, so it it can really it it can really get confused the larger your project is and the more uh, if you have uh, sub projects or even projects across workspaces it seems to over time uh, worse and just quitting and restarting Xcode you know can clear it up sometimes but sometimes you end up having to nuke it from orbit um, and and that's the 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 hard part is that you know it's keeping track of that index and the new folder that it keeps for each project the derived data folder um, you can find it if you go into the help menu or I, I think it's the window menu and choose um, the organizer or command shift two is is how I remember it but you go into the organizer and select the projects tab and select your project and there are the the common paths there for for snapshots and and derived data which means mostly your index and and some other th things but if you tell it to delete the derived data 
then suddenly it, it's forced to rebuild its index. And it's the same as the trick in, in Xcode 3. You go into the project information and say rebuild index. And then magically it works okay for a while again. But if it's anything larger than a medium scale project uh, or it has a lot of complex uh, dependencies, then you, you're probably gonna, it, it's probably going to be slow to begin with and just get slower as you work with it until you blast the index. But I will say it is much better in version 4.2. A, a lot of the problems have disappeared for normal size projects. So in addition to Xcode hot or not, you can add the domain. It's not you. It's Xcode. <laughs> that might work. It's a, we'll, honey, we'll see if we can grab that real quick. It's not you. It's Xcode. <laughs> <laughs> we need some time apart, apparently. I mean, let's, let, let's let that move us on into um, you know, just more general stuff. I mean, you've got performance in general on your list. I know you've got one or two examples in there as well, but um, you know, Xcode... One of the great things about, um, I remember when I first came to uh, the Mac, and I think um, Xcode 2 was getting close or it had just been released. I can't, I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, and coming from a Windows developer where I was used to using Visual Studio, which is a fairly um, cluttered and busy IDE, quite similar to Xcode 4 actually, um, and there were lots of features. One, one of the things about Xcode th- uh, when I first got there was, okay, it was sparse. I mean, I thought, where is everything? But it was fast. Um, you know, you, it, it moved around. Whereas, actually, now we have far more uh, integration of stuff in Xcode 4, but it, it just doesn't, it's lost some of that, that nippiness, or am I just alone in feeling that? I don't know. I think there's, I, I think there's something to that. Um, I mean, I, I had uh, progressively faster Macs over the years, too, so I, I don't know that I've quite noticed that stark of a difference, but I, I definitely see it in Xcode 4. Um, it, it's like steering the Titanic sometimes, um, just you know, trying to navigate around and, and you select a symbol and it's updating all the, all the panels and things like that. It's like you have to steer a good half hour ahead of time to, to land where you want to be a half hour from now. So what are your main problems with performance? I mean, give us, give us the ones off your list. It, it's that same thing. That the longer you use it on a particular project or the longer you keep the session running, um, the slower it gets. And I don't think, I mean, it, you, you can sometimes see the, the memory usage creeping up, but other times it just seems like it's crunching through a lot of stuff. Um, so it, it, it's like the, you know, things like the index grows or, or whatever other information it's, it's keeping, you know, the, the list of symbols and, and um, which I think is the same thing as the index. But one of the biggest problems that people started noticing, and someone said this on uh, Stack Overflow, and that led to a blog post, and I ended up putting that on the Xcode book site, is there seems to be tumorous growth in the .xc workspace file. If you open up your Xcode project file um, and you show package contents, there's a .xc workspace file. And deleting this file does not hurt. It just has to rebuild some things. But it seems like it grows and grows and grows. And and that is responsible for a large part of performance problems. And just whacking that file and reopening the project um, magically restores a lot of a lot of performance. So what's in this file then? What are, what are they keeping in there? I think just information about the workspace itself. Um, I, it, if I recall correctly, it's, it's named after your username, so it's the same thing that, uh, as Xcode 3, essentially, that when you open 
on under your user account, it creates that file so that it's your orientation of the window, what you what panels you have open, what file you're navigated to, um, that kind of thing. And I have no idea why in the world it, it needs to you know have multiple tens of megabytes in size at at sometimes, but it, it seems just to your your own user state. I, I sometimes I, I wonder if if the people who are developing it and using it have the fastest machines and have you know uh, solid state drives and whatnot. And, and, and maybe they're saying that, that they, they're not noticing those things. I wonder if any of them develop on machines that are, are less than the fastest. I don't know what they're using, but um, I, the, my most recent Mac purchase um, is my desktop, which is the 27-inch the um, i7 iMac. That it, it, It's not the, the very latest model, but it was the one that was that I purchased exactly two minutes before they released the next model. Uh, and it, it has a solid state drive and, and 16 gigs of RAM. And I, I see slow down over mm. time. So I can only imagine, and I, using my MacBook air for even small projects, um, I, I might go to the couch and, you know, watch TV in the evening and, and, and mess around with whatever project I have going on. But Trying to use Xcode 4 on a MacBook Air on anything larger than a small project is murder. Um, so I, I don't know what kind of machines they're using, but they must be some as yet unreleased, um, magically unicorn fast machines compared to, <laughs> to the, you know the top of the line iMac. It, it's it's ridiculous um, if they don't notice the performance problems. Uh, okay, let's narrow this down uh, a little bit. I mean, is it using all of Xcode for? I mean, because I know several people who develop on an 11 inch MacBook Air. It's their only machine. I mean, they might plug it into a monitor when they're in their office, but they will develop on that. And I know several others who don't have it as a running machine, but you will regularly see them using it as opposed to going back to their iMac or whatever else. Um, so are we talking, you know, it's parts of Xcode, is it like, you know, are we talking about the interface builder side of it is slow or are we talking, you know, you're saying everything's slow, is the editor slow, is it even slow typing? You know, what type of slowdown are you seeing? Is it changing tabs takes a long time, a combination of all these things? Just in general, everything is laggy. Um, it, it takes it a while to build. I mean, it, it, the 11-inch the MacBook Air has uh, 2 gigs of RAM, and you can't upgrade it. So I, I think it's mostly a memory problem. But, but yes, it's, you know, you're, you're waiting for it, even just navigating or typing and letting it, um, letting it autocomplete. Um, you know, the, the, the build and run, just between the time that it finish, finishes compiling, launches a small app and, you know, uh, connects the debugger. And it's ready, you know, it's running and ready in the debugger is, you know, it, it, it's a hugely noticeable difference. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it's just performance in general, even with a small, you know, project. Like if you create a small project to, to create a new, um, a new custom view and it's just your, your test project uh, for a playground for, for building and, and testing that view. You know, that, that's not a very large project, but even that, I, I find myself getting frustrated with waiting. You know, I, I do something, make a change, test it, quit, make another minor change, test it, quit. That cycle ends up, you know, burning up a lot more time. John, I mean, you, you're, you're, are you now fully working on Xcode 4? I know you were um, having nightmares. I can't remember if you've yeah. actually got there or not yet. Well, for the, for, I mean, for my daily work, um, as a consultant I am, 
for memory miner, I'm kind of half and half. Um, as you, you'll laugh, but basically, I built my plugins and, and my frameworks on three, so that they build to to a known location, and then four, I link them. In other words, I haven't set up the dependent projects yet. And I still have to have three because, although I'll be able to get rid of that because I still had that 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 uh, you know the RB RB uh, split view dependency, um, and I, I I think the stuff I'm working on I, I think memory miner and all the different things I don't know whether it's not it's not like you know I wouldn't consider it Apple internal app size. But it, it's not Hello World. It's a pretty serious project, and and the stuff I work on during you know my day gig is also pretty serious stuff with a lot of dependencies. And, and yeah, I mean th- there there are times of it where I just kind of I roll my eyes a little bit and say, well, I just have to slog through. It will get better. I, I wonder if uh, if Rube Goldberg were to create a build chain uh, or a build process, if it would be similar to using Xcode three for frameworks and <laughs> using Xcode 4 for the main app. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's, it's, it's just because of the way I had it set up with, with you know, I want it, I want it re- released in a, I'm sorry, built in a specific location, a relative location. It's not like I have hard-coded paths, but I, I, I check out my entire tree and I, and, you know, I have it set up that way. You know, for, for and it's like, it's like I said last week. I mean, you, you, you for brand new projects, um, things tend to work great. You yeah. know, created in, in Xcode four. But if you have anything, you know, if you didn't start developing yesterday, and you have a lot of, uh, I can't even call them legacy projects, just existing projects, right. then you know you start running into trouble. And, and you know, I, I I make fun of you for it, but <laughs> but Rube Goldberg is is sometimes necessary. Well, uh, it, it it just always comes down to. It's like you have a limited, you know, if you have unlimited time and resources, then you can go back and do these things. But right. that's exactly it. It's like I, you kind of have to decide which battles you're going to do. And, and, and I'm constantly making those choices. And, and, and I think that at, at this point, I, I think my impression of Xcode overall is that there's so much stuff going on under the hood. It, it reminds me of bindings in the early days. There was just a lot of voodoo and it was hard to know exactly what was going on. And eventually things got a little bit better and you, you started to understand some things. You got better, you know, tracing um, capabilities. But at some point I think, you know, you're probably better off just creating a brand new project from scratch and then adding back in your files and, and, and letting it do the things that it's expecting to do. And, and I, you know, I don't doubt for a second what an incredibly complex system that, that, that they've created. Right. It, it, Xcode is its own operating system in many ways when you think about all the different things it has to do. So. And, and this episode sounds necessarily negative because, it, well, it, well, it's the episode where I'm getting to, to air my grievances, but... Uh, I mean, it is it is a great IDE. It's just there there are still some problems, and it's still four point two and, and not four point nine. So there there will definitely be problems. But yeah, these are the grievances I wish to air. Yeah, but I think but one one thing that is um is quite good about this though is actually we're at four point two pretty darn quickly from four point zero. And they, I mean, as you know, is the book writer, um, and. It's not just bug fixes. They are adding new stuff to it. So basically, at this rate of progress, give it a yo. Know, I mean, remembering this was a total um, uh, change of IDE um, when we moved to 4.0. You know, by the time, you know, maybe by the time we're reaching 4.4, 4.5, you know, in 12, 18 months' time or whatever it might be, um, you know, 
it, you know, all this stuff that is sort of got a few problems, but actually could be amazing. We'll be, we'll be, all be saying how wonderful it all is. There, there, there'll, there'll be a rainbow, kind of like an arc, a double rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> no, an arc. And would you like to convert that arc? <laughs> I would. I, I would like to land on the other side of the rainbow oh, and find jewel, my pot of gold. Jewel linking, jewel linking, arc conversion. It's on your list. Right. right. Just remind people. Segue. Just remind. I almost didn't follow. Yes. Just. <laughs> it, it, it's called subtle. As a, as a, as a, as a house. As a house brick. <laughs> um, okay. Um, we probably don't need to, but just in case, remind people what arc is, and then talk about what we're talking about when we're talking about when we're talking about talking about arc conversion. The associated for retarded citizens. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole in the current uh, climate, <laughs> in the current political climate. But uh, right, um, automatic reference counting. Um, let's just say it outright. Um, plenty of people like the garbage collection, and it was added to Objective-C. But if, if you look at it in sheer uh, marketing and business sense, um, it it flopped. It fell flat on its face. Um, people don't like it for a lot of reasons. Um, there are people who defend it and say it's, it's great. And yes, um, the, the idea of it is wonderful, but that's not apparently where Apple wanted to go. The, the, the reference counted, you know, manual memory management approach is, you know, using retains and releases and things like that is very efficient. It's very precise. You have very good control. Um, and their their philosophy was well, it, it, we can have the best of both worlds. Um, make it so that users or developers don't have to think of um, how many retains and releases they they have. You know, balancing that that um, that that reference counting, um, but also you know keep that precise control and the speed and precision, then, you know, we, we would have something a little bit better than garbage collection. So what they did was because there's a, a, a set number of rules, there's, you know, very specific conventions you have to follow that people forget, but machines, you know, tend not to, uh, they can, they can build that into the tools so that you, you know, you create your object, you, you, you just practice the worst memory management you possibly can, and it should still usually do the right thing and balance out those, re, you know, those retains or news or copies with releases and even auto releases. So it's really, it, it gives you the benefits of reference counted memory management without as much worry. Now I say as much, but you do you do have to follow some of the rules in, in how you uh, specify, you know, Objective C two properties and and things like that. So are you so going to be a, are you going to be a fan or not? Do you think? I, I think eventually, but I, I, I still have um, every project, but one new thing that I'm that I'm working on. Um, it, it still has to still has to support the old world. So I think, you know, any new projects going forward, I'll probably end up using it. I just haven't had the chance to play with it yet. And I, I ran into the common experience. I decided to convert this uh, 10.7 app that, that I've been, you know, working at uh, to use Arc. And the common experience, and I ran into this myself, is that, you know, it takes five minutes to let Xcode convert it, but it can take several weeks to fix all the problems that that conversion causes. And there, uh, I've, I've seen online a few um, people, and uh, some of the people from, um, 
um, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Macintosh. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, a friend of mine um, works there that I've, I've spoken to in the Cocoa community for a very long time, and you know, he, he was talking about the Papers app, um, people having trouble converting to ARC. Um, it, it takes you know a couple minutes to let Xcode do its thing, but you end up chasing down you know memory management bugs because of the conversion process uh, for for several weeks for <laughs> for a medium to large size project. So it, that does seem to be the common experience: is that if you start out using it again, like everything else, if you start out fresh with a brand new project using these technologies to begin with, you have a much easier time than trying to convert an existing project to use the newer technologies. John, do you ever see Memory Miner getting to, to use Arc? I mean, you're, I you're talking like about a code base that's been going on for a number of years now. Lots of plug-in technologies and some open source stuff and a whole mix of... I mean, yours is what you would say is a, is a real... I, I would call a mishmash project. You've got so much, many different things going on um, that you an example of, you know, any problem that you're going to get adopting a new technology, you're probably going to suffer it. <laughs> um, and uh, what's your yeah. feeling on it? Well, I... You know, I would like to, to, to not have to worry about it. I never was tempted with, with garbage collection just because I'd been dealing with retain release so long and I, I kind of got it. And, and you know, I, I don't think I had too many problems with, with, with memory smashers and stuff. I mean, I just, I, you, know, you, you find them, you fix them, it, but, but you never know. And I, I think that the whole thing with ARC is that because there are the simple rules and because the machine should be able to, to, to do this well, then I, I'm, I, if I were to spend my time, you know, attacking some type of let's clean up or let's do this, Arc would be top of my list. But then it comes down to it's like, well, then I have to do it. But what about all the third parties there? And, and, and but since you have source for them, you can attack them. Um, yeah, I, I would I would like to get there sooner rather than later. And instruments has, has been a big help. You know, the, the zombies instrument, just visualizing and, and having, you know, uh, I'm a very visual person, so I, I like to have things visualized. I, ha I like to have neat, concise lists in front of me. And instruments, when when it came along with with the zombies instrument, it, it really revolutionized the way I was able to hunt down, um, you know, memory management bugs. And I I can't say that I have uh, that much of, of a problem finding them whenever you know at least when I can reproduce the the problem myself it, but it, it seems like arc is not only going to i mean you, you have more than just avoiding memory management problems it's it's actively optimizing things um they said any, anywhere where you run into an auto release situation i think it was that they mentioned it is up to what is it 25 or 20 percent faster um execution in anything you know managing auto release pools so it it, it has a good chance to optimize that compile time um, all the code that you're producing and letting arc deal with all of that kind of thing so i mean i i'm not sure if i'm getting the details right it's been a while since i, I watched the wwdc video but you know there, there there there's a lot more than just getting lazy with memory management and being able to be lazy with memory management it, it's you know performance yeah there's a performance component yeah, and, and 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 especially during the the ingest or the cataloging phase of memory miner, where you're you're taking thousands of images, rendering thumbnails, extracting metadata. metadata. Mm -hmm. You know, I have I have code where I have you know two nested sets of auto release pools to try and keep it you know 
working properly and at a reasonable footprint. And there's a place where I would appreciate the, the optimization that it could do when it compiles. So, and the performance change, I don't doubt managing auto release pools takes, takes a lot of processing power. All right, so ARC itself is good, but the, it, my my gripe on this list was was conversion to ARC. It's you know Xcode happily goes through and says, okay, you know it took a couple minutes, but here's your project. You know now now it's ARC compatible, and then you run it and <laughs> and, and you get exact bad access and. <laughs> Right. Okay. I mean, we're we're running out of time here, so um, let's just finish. Let's just finish on um, a desire. Um, you know, if you could have one thing in Xcode, be it new or something that's there fixed or changed, what would it be? For me, it would just be the performance. All the other stuff we can get around, um, but it's the performance that. You know that, that I think is something they need to focus on for Xcode 4.3. John, do you have an opinion on that one? Or have you not used uh, it enough I, yet I, to say? I, I would have to share that. I think if, mm. if, if at, at this point you get the feeling that they 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 boiled the ocean and now it's time for it to to let it settle down a little bit. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Joshua, for sharing your. Um uh, gripes on on Xcode four. Um, <laughs> in the chat room during that, um, I was going to try to give away some of your books. Um, it appears that your book has about six different publication dates. Uh, I asked the question on what date was it published, and I've had so many different answers. Uh, depending on whether it was a Kindle version on Amazon on the Peach Pit Press website. Um, so I'm going to give books to the first ones that came through that are all I can prove to. So um, Jay Garnum, you're going to get a book. Fright has one. You're going to get a book. Evil Boss, you're going to get a book and Baz Curtis you're going to get a book um, just remind us what that book is that they're going to get Joshua I, I'm sorry I missed that last part it cut out a little bit you remind us what your book's called <laughs> oh well, I have to remind myself what my book how are one flew over this cuckoo's nest yes exactly <laughs> sex for dummies that was <laughs> it's very graphic and now my publisher just had a heart attack <laughs> Simon Wolf was having a go at saying the publication date was 2011, but he's probably a bit vague to get one this time. <laughs> and uh, oh, actually, okay. So, um, uh, you, you, did you actually mention the real title of your book during that? Yes, Mastering Xcode Four. That's the one, right? And can you give me um, two numbers between one and eight, please, Joshua? Five and seven. So, Chris Kimpton, you've won a book, and Kim. Alberg, you've won a book as well. So uh, what I did there is I opened uh, the email folder I had and did a, a swipe on the iPad and let it just cut, stop somewhere. There were eight emails on the screen and you chose the two. So those two guys, Chris Kimpton and Kimoba, you will get a code for a copy of Joshua's book as well. Thank you very much for coming on, Joshua. Just remind us where people can go and find out extra information about you, follow you on Twitter, all that sort of stuff. You can find me at joshua.nazai.name. That's my personal website. And I'm jnazai on Twitter. That's N-O-Z-Z-I. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for coming back so quickly after uh, last week saying it'll be a couple of weeks in, in getting in. Yeah. John, tell everybody. Yes, not sir. that anyone needs to know anymore, but tell them, tell them where they can find you. You can, you can find all my little snarky rants on Twitter as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African instrument. You can read all about my travails with Memory Miner at memoryminer.com slash blog. Okay, and I'm Scotty. You can uh, find all my stuff at iDeveloperTV and my 
blog when I occasionally do something about once every seven years is there. Um, uh, Twitter at MacDevNet. And of course, if you want to know about NS Conference, which is coming up in March 2012, um, then you need to visit the NS Conference website at www.nsconference.com and sign up for the mailing list because that's how you're going to know what's going on. That's how you're going to know when tickets go on sale. That's the route it's going to take. If you don't sign up, you may find out, but you're not going to find out before the people on that list. So go do that. Right. I've enjoyed that. I now feel yeah, a good moan is good for everybody. We can all feel <laughs> great relief. Now let's just let's right, just Simon. let's just uh, let's just all breathe in slowly and just gather some positivity to leave the day with. It was as good for you as it was for me. <laughs> What's that Twitter name? Whose Twitter name? Which Twitter name? It was Mac Devnet. Uh, Jay Nozai and um, Dejembe D-J-E-M-B-E there we are personal service to the chat room Uh, that's it for this time we're back next week on the air 5.15 GMT 12.15 EST 9.15 BST PTS (laughs) PTS and and various various other times around the world with our 24 hour service until next time. This is time. BBC with special English signing out. <laughs> I'll talk to you off air about the thing I want to say now. Okay, until next time, everybody, you take care. Thank you.